Welcome to the Hey Salespeople podcast, where we focus on delivering immediately actionable best practices for sales professionals. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan from SalesLoft. Hey, salespeople. Today, it is my great pleasure to have Costa Harbilis on the podcast. Welcome, Costa. Hello. And I'm also joined by my amazing co-host, Allie Merritt. Welcome, Allie. Thank you, Jeremy. Costa is the Senior Vice President of Global Sales at Intap. And Intap is a front office platform for financial and professional services firms. And we'll talk a little bit about what that actually means. But why that's important is our topic for today is going to be all around how to sell to partner-led organizations where when they buy something, it is actually coming out of their own pocket and to some extent because it's not flowing through their profit share. And there are some unique considerations around that. I always just warn people just before we record that I'm going to ask them about their favorite book so they can start thinking about it. I never want to know what it is. And then Costa turns around and pulls out not one, but two books from his bookshelf. So Costa, what are the two books you picked out of the bookshelf for us? Two books that I really enjoyed that have helped me in my career were uh, Customer-Centric Selling, the second version of Solution Selling, and how to focus on uh, business outcomes. And then something I picked up and uh, read later in the career, which is very helpful in, in thinking about my leadership style, was uh, a book by Jason Jordan, Cracking the Sales Management Code. And that was really helpful about thinking about all you can really control is the inputs to drive the outputs you want. Well, you actually gave us three because the precursor to customer-centric selling. Yes, yes. Solution selling is also uh, uh, just absolutely classic and written 30 plus, I would imagine, years ago and every bit as relevant today as it was when it was when it was originally published. On cracking the sales management code, the three-part structure there is activity. And then they don't say effectiveness, they say objectives, I think, in the middle, and then business results at the at the top. So you have sort of all those three things. And as you hinted, that the thing that as a leader you can control is, is activities. Do you take that to the point of overweighting your own inspection on activities relative to results? When you think about, for instance, getting larger share of wallet from a client, right? So how do you do that? So you have multiple products. One of the things is building a good account plan, right? So understanding the client, their growth strategies, what their objectives are, how you're aligned to them. And so one of the things you can control is measuring, do you have account plan completion? Have you done the account plans? Because if you do, driving account plans will drive better share at the end of the day. And so thinking about those inputs and those interlinkings to the outputs that you want, right? There's certain sales processes you need to follow. And when you think about an effective sales force, it's being able to be predictable and executing on the strategy that you outline. What elements for you are key in an account plan? Number one, understanding what's important to them. You know, people don't care about our technology. They care about achieving the objectives they have. And if you can align to them and make sure that you can speed the process to whatever problem it is that you're solving for that leader and that group, and that the whole team is focused like a North Star on that client objective. I love that you said the the whole team, because I think that goes back to your second book, which was customer-centric selling. Um, And I'd say for a long time, sales was very focused on the top of the funnel and then closing the deal. But in recent years, the significance of the customer experience and their journey has become more and more key. So as you're building out these plans and these topics, how much does the customer-centric side come into play? Massively. And so one of the things I learned when I was at SAP is the whole value engineering side, you know, aligning the process for somebody to make a decision on a technology stack that you have to really understand, you know, how they're going to receive value. And so as you think about 
building the case for change, understanding the as-is state, the to-be state, what that case for change and the value that they're going to receive, and then following it through after deployment and during deployment, and then coming back on the value realization, did you actually receive the value that you wanted? And so SAP did a wonderful job at that. And we created a value engineering department that's aligned with pre-sales that can actually go back and capture that to make sure that clients forget sometimes all the value that you've delivered. And you need to continue to remind them that you know this investment that they've made in your technology has resulted in some massive benefit to them. From your LinkedIn profile, you mentioned that you also actually built a value engineering function at Intap. So it's it's clearly something you're passionate about. Is value engineering a different group than sales engineering? So it rolls up to the same leader, uh, but they're different pieces. So value engineering, think about it as the building of the business case of the case for change. Why would you do any, you know, what is the current state? What's the problem with that current state? Why would you do anything to change? Pre-sales or the sales engineering is demonstrating that in a way that people can get the aha moment. Value engineering continues to go back and after deployment to measure the promised case with the realistic case. And then, you know, that drives that whole customer success function to make sure that people renew. And we've done a pretty good job at that. Our renewal rates are in the 96, 97%, right? So um, as you mentioned, we're in the professional and financial services space, which is unlike traditional corporations, right? Partner-led businesses are very different. And the industry we serve are the legal market, consulting, accounting, private capital, and investment banks. And those five industries, there's about $5 trillion in fees that transact across that ecosystem. It's about 3% of the global economy and 16% of the developed economy. So being able to understand how to serve that industry from strategy through origination and execution, when the firm owners, the partners are spending their own money and it's a cash-based business and distributed profits at the end of the year, that they need to think about, why would I actually make this investment? How would this actually really help me? And so value-centric, client-focused business outcomes approach is the only way to be successful in this business because they don't care about the technology. They care about being the best lawyer or deal maker or tax advisor they can be. And the technology should just help them do their job more effectively to help win new business, help onboard it quickly, and then make sure they get paid for the work, right? And be able to capture that so they can drive the profit and the success of their client. Most people are are not selling to partner-led organizations. Most people are selling to more traditionally structured organizations. What's different about the way that partner-led organizations buy compared to traditional corporations? When you think about a traditional corporation, there's about 5% of the firm employees that are the leaders, right? And then they're all broken down to these various functions and you buy departmentally for these functions. And at some point you try to tie them up in an enterprise level. When you think about a partner-led organization, 30 to 40% of the employees are actually the owners of the firm. You know, you can't call a partner a seller, although they go and, and they're rainmakers and they pitch and win new business. They're far more than that. They're a business owner. They were trained to go do something very different. And now, you know, be the best, PE lawyer in the world, and now you're running a PE practice and trying to understand you know, what pipeline looks like. How do you manage all that? And so it's different because it's consensus-driven. It's not top-down. Driving consensus, that's why we harp so much on value because people can align around client sat. They can align around strategic objectives of the firm where they're trying to be, what their growth strategies are. And if you can help align to those key objectives, you have a fighting chance of getting through the labyrinth of a big consensus-driven decision that can be pretty messy and time-consuming and circular and because there's no one person that can say yes. In many cases, it's a committee 
It's an executive committee of people that are doing their real job. And then on their side job is to look at this set of technologies to go drive an evaluation to solve a particular problem. I'm curious, you know, for, for, although it's very tactical, how have you gone about deploying within NTAP and even before that at HP and SAP and so on? At HP and SAP, a lot of it was technology that we either built or spreadsheets, et cetera. At NTAP, we have a backend Salesforce platform and we've used Altify to help us with that. Uh, but we actually have a deal management platform. We acquired a company called Deal Cloud on the financial services side, and now we are one company. We're going to build our own technology stack and build account planning into the solution so that it's just natural. People confuse an account plan with a deal plan. Absolutely need to go win new opportunities, but a set of opportunities that work up to an overall plan for the account. If you're a single product company in a single audience in a single industry or even a variety of industry, your deal plan is your account plan. How do you go win a new piece of business? When you have multiple products, multiple industries, it's about the entire ecosystem that you serve and how you bring those different opportunity plans that line up to an overall account plan. So I'm passionate about it. You know, I, we want to use technology, we want to use visibility. And so one of the things that we always do now, when we talk about a, a deal or an account, we want to show the plan. Don't send me a slide, don't send me an email, open up the plan, let's talk about the plan and where we fit around a relationship strategy, the success we've had with certain solutions in play and the value that they're receiving, and then how the opportunities you're pursuing align to the overall plan. So it's more holistic, and we have a pretty big ecosystem of people that support us. It's a matrix org from client success and account management and uh, practice group leaders because we have multiple products, so we have specialists that align into a managing director structure that owns the overall relationship that we want them focused on with the leadership and bringing the appropriate experts to help solve those particular solutions we're selling into. Very SAP Oracle-esque, but we're super focused on these partner-led industries. How do you overcome that initial resistance to change for rolling out an account process across the team at lower levels? Yeah, it has to be what's in it for them, right? Why is this going to be more effective? So the worst thing you can do is I'll you know, deploy this plan, this account planning process, a forecasting process, sales part, whatever the process is you roll out, and then the leadership doesn't use it and doesn't drive it and still asks for their own document or their own email or a phone call in advance, then you defeat the purpose. So if you're going to inspect it, if you're going to use it and you're motivated, then there's value to the rank and file to do it because they only have to make change once and it's visible you know, they push it in and then they can communicate with the entire specialized team that supports them and that everyone can be on the same page. When I first joined the company, it was really important to get visibility. So we implemented a forecasting deal execution process called MedPIC through Force Manager. We talked about that. And I just, I, I so enjoyed that because you could get great visibility into your deals and then you could better predict and forecast. And then as we got really good at being able to predict the number and hit the number, consistently because you had, and we brought in value engineering to help execute on that, like we discussed. And then you say, okay, we're doing a pretty good job on deals. And, but like, how does it all come together? Like, what are we trying to do? We want to be a strategic partner of this firm and have them, you know, count on us to be one of their three or four core technology partners that drive the business, maybe an HR vendor like Workday, an ERP provider like SAP, a document management system, and then a whole front office. We want to be everything else. We want to be what's, what we believe helps you change the scoreboard, not just keep the score, but the client engagement lifecycle so that everything that touches the client, that's what you're, you know, what you're here to serve, we can help you execute that more effectively. And so thinking about these little core processes, thinking about setting up 
and, and improving these various aspects to bring the whole the whole um, sales process of uh, what we call Intap 3.0 as we're growing to be this enterprise provider to be you know best in class and trusted to help firm leaders run their firm more effectively. I mean, I'm sure Intap 3.0 is actually way beyond sales. I would assume it's product marketing the whole firm. But in the context of sales process and adding value to customers, it sounds like one facet of that is the sales methodology is MedPick. Another facet of that is the value engineering function. What are the other major like major components of of Intap 3.0? from a sales process point of view? We have a concept of a managing director uh, who's in charge of the entire client relationship and leads the Intab team to execute the plan. And we have what we call practice group leaders, and we serve five different audiences with 13 different products. So we have expertise where we will post up a person to a chief marketing officer, the whole market business development side. So we have expertise where we can go toe-to-toe and beat the likes of Dynamics or Salesforce in these industries because they're a horizontal provider, not purpose-built for the industry. And we are, and we can talk, and the people we have on our team are former CMOs at these professional services firms, and they are experts. Similar on risk, right, where we have folks that ran risk platforms at major professional services firms, and we're the dominant provider to help, because it's a very um, regulated industry, can you can't take on certain work. you got to be able to do that quickly. And on boards, so you can start billing. And then the whole massive practice group around finance and operations, along with IT, and then the bringing it all together at the partner level so that they can see and tie all of these pieces together because you know they have all the data, but it's siloed. And so we want to unlock it and be able to share it with them in a way that they can make really good decisions, you know, database decisions so they can impact the results they want. And so we think we're uniquely qualified and the only person in this industry that can go do that across the entire life cycle. It's a very successful company growing very rapidly. So these other companies are great. Oracle, SAP, uh, Microsoft, Salesforce, IBM, wonderful companies, but they're built for manufacturing and retail and not for these business models where consensus driven, they don't make products, their idea folks, their inventory is their people. Right, go home every night and making sure that these thought leaders are able to come together, work in teams, disband and solve big client problems in a way that gets them repeat business. I love that you're using titling terminology that matches that of your clients, which is a, if you're serving that world, you can actually do that in ways that your competitors can't. We noticed as we were going through your LinkedIn profile that you basically have sort of alternated between large companies and small companies. Ali, have you been always small company? Um, no, I have worked at several international corporations as well as uh, some startups. And I, I don't think I can go back to super, super large companies anymore. There's a sense of camaraderie and energy around a little bit of a smaller company, I guess. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. But uh, Costa, you've gone in and out of big companies and small companies. I mean, obviously, I would assume your plan is to stay at Intap forever. Uh, but besides that, if you look kind of back historically, why did you go large, small, large, small? Yeah, I just can't seem to decide, right, Jeremy? I've been all over the place. So <laughs> it's uh, different seasons in, in life bring different opportunities to you. You know, I've had the good pleasure of working for some great companies. And, you know, when I decided to go small, you know, I wanted to go do something special and do what we all do, takes an idea and help scale it and grow it and make a great company. And what I found, it's pretty hard to find the right product market fit. You could be a wonderful seller, great ideas, and the market's not there for you. And, you know, achieving product market fit, you hear a lot about that. It is critical because, you know, I've been part of companies that had great IP, but they were a feature, not a solution, right? Been 
when a market that just got disintermediated or disrupted, you know, wonderful technology should have worked, but different things happen beyond your control. And I was perfectly happy at SAP. I wasn't, I had a wonderful role. I really, I think it's probably one of the best large software companies on the planet. I was really appreciative of it. And they found me and we got together and we fell in love and the rest is history. And I think, you know, the finding the right people and culture, so important, right? Fit is it. You know, do you, do you align with the values of the company, with the mission? Does it, has it achieved product market fit? Does your skill set match with where the company is going and how you can help them get there? And the things that I talked about was the reason they brought me in because I've had these experiences and it's just been a wonderful, wonderful experience. I mean, we want to, you know, we believe we can build a great software company, public software company in this space and being a vertically orientated SaaS provider. We're the darling out there today. If you look at the various compares out there, and, and we expect that in the near future, we'll be one of those folks, right? In an underserved market with tremendous client satisfaction that solves a pretty big set of problems for uh, a unique you know, set of audiences in these, in these industries. We think we can add a lot of value and be an ambassador and build a great team. Thank you so much for being on. And uh, if people do want to learn more about Intap, or I guess you, you guys may be hiring as well, if they want to find out about opportunities, how, how would they do that? Uh, Intap.com. Um, then you'll post me and I'm on my LinkedIn, reach out to me. We, uh, we want the best and brightest. And so we're always looking to bring on talent. Lots of opportunities. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks, Ali, for uh, being my fearless co-host. And thank you, Costa, for being on. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Hey, Salespeople is a production made in partnership with Frequency Media. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan. Paige McCauley is our producer. Peter Lepinto is our editor. The podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else podcasts are found. Thanks for listening to the Hey Salespeople podcast.